Welcome, dear listeners, to another inspiring episode of the Unapologetic Women podcast. I'm your host, Al Nash, and today we're joined by a remarkable guest who is on a quest for joy, adventure, and a full, unconventional life. Sophie Kaiser, a joy seeker and change maker, is here to dive deep into the societal conditioning that often keeps us seeking approval rather than embracing our true selves. We'll explore the magic of unconditional love, the beauty of diversity, and the wonder of living life to the fullest. So, let's embark on this enlightening journey with Sophie as we discuss embracing curiosity, overcoming the limitations of a PC culture, and the art of joyful parenting in the modern age. It's time to break free from the mold and step into a world of vibrant living with Sophie Kay. have been attempting to get um, more New Zealand ladies to come onto this global platform because I think that um, there's a different energy in New Zealand so you know I'm from South Africa I've lived in Ireland and there are so many similarities in us as human beings but there's also a difference in energy in every continent that we get on Um, and so I've feel it's important for us to start diversifying the voices even in this podcast so that women can feel the different energies and experience that for themselves and go wow her energy is so different from mine and yet there are still similarities we we all we all bleed red right um and so thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today my pleasure (laughs) <laughs> all right so let's just delve in with the question of all questions Sophie what does it mean yes. for you to be an unapologetic woman you know since we first met that's actually been something I've been thinking about what does it mean to be unapologetic and I think the word that always comes to mind for me is authentic raw real open um and heart-centered and the reason those words come to mind for me I think is because I truly believe that when we're open from the heart when we stop operating so much from up here which is where I spent most of my life coming from a, a German background you know the 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 being in the mental space is is where we operate as people and So it was only through my own journey that I actually learned to operate from my heart. And that's when I realized that I could be my authentic self. I could really be unapologetic. And to me, that also means not worrying about what other people think. Because I used to think about that quite a lot. I used to worry about that quite a lot. And I was a terrible people pleaser, not just in my personal relationships, but just in everyday life. And I found what that meant is that I was not honoring what I truly needed or wanted, or I was not honoring my own voice. And so being unapologetic means to me honoring ourselves in a raw, honest and real way and giving ourselves that spaciousness to just just be that without judgment and trusting, you know, which sometimes isn't an easy thing to do in this world, trusting that it's okay to do that and that it's safe to do that because I think for me that's something I had to rewire as a person that it's actually safe to be me 
because I realized one of the reasons I wasn't the real me, I wasn't unapologetically myself was because um, it didn't feel safe, but it took a really long time and a lot of self-reflective work to actually figure that, figure that out and get really clear on that. Yeah, the safe piece is a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for most people, not just women, in that we we are so conditioned in tribal consciousness that if we are not liked by the tribe, if we are not um, included in the tribe according to their rules, their image of us, um, that we are expelled. And of course, we have the tribal consciousness of when you were expelled from the tribe into the wilderness, that you died. And so there is this constant old paradigm that's still running for most people, that in order for me to be safe, I have to be liked, not loved, liked. And it's one of the reasons I'm so outspoken about this mantra that we have been given through marketing, the no like and trust factor. And I'm, I'm very um, on a soapbox about the fact that screw like, like if we can't learn to love if we can't start learning to operate from love, unconditional love, unconditional in that I don't always have to like what you say. I don't always have to like what you think. I don't always have to like how you behave. But if there is genuine love, then we can appreciate and honor the diversity again, instead of saying, I must be liked, which is why I have to be around like-minded people But look at what that's creating in our society. Can we just get real about that at the moment of just how much fear it's creating, how much segregation it's creating, how many um, us versus you it's creating? I think it's pretty insane of what's happening. So I'd like to understand how you are experiencing that at the moment. And I would love to also know what are some of the things that occurred that you may be processed for you to feel safe? That's a really cool question. And, and, you know, I'm totally on the same page with you on that. Um, That I think, you know, sometimes I think, how can we be in 2023 and still operate on this, that we have to fit into something, to still operate on this, we all have to be the same, or we have to, um, you know, have the same mindset to be, to be, or, you know, the same beliefs to hang out in the same room, or to be in the same space, or to be in the same business, and of course, an alignment and values is great, (laughs) and helpful, but I believe what makes our world so exciting is that variety, and, and, to me that in itself is an adventure so um i'm a i'm an adventurer i'm a traveler i've always been i i've i've been very blessed to grow up with a mum, even though she was a single mum, that she still somehow managed to create all the space for adventure for me so um i grew up in europe from three and a half to 16 and so i i had the opportunity to go on group tours and things like that with kids my own age in different countries and and um, I've been to Sweden and, you know, I spent quite a bit of time around Germany, obviously. And then my mum once took me to to Switzerland on the border of Italy. And I think what what made those experiences so vibrant for me was seeing the differences in people, how people lived, how people spoke, the languages. 
And it just, it, it, it always excited me. And I think it's such an important part of our world. I think that's what makes our world so vibrant and so beautiful. And, you know, we, <laughs> I remember when I was living in Mexico and I was studying there in my 20s, I remember doing an architecture paper and learning about this this complex that was created in the in the 1950s when modernism was in you know when it was all about the stark and clean and white and uniformity and da 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 and they created this big these I think two or three complexes um huge high rises with loads and loads of different flats and um it was you know very um mind-blowing at the time for anyone to even consider building something like that and but what was interesting about the story is what actually happened to those complexes and the people living within and actually over um over a, about a 10-year period it turned into a ghetto and what they found is that people were not taking care of their environment people were coming um becoming depressed or had mental health issues crime rates went up um, and the just the general happiness of the people living in these buildings, just the quality of life decreased. And that was such an interesting thing for me for me to learn because, uh, you know, and one of the things that we discussed in that class was that what when when people started really looking at this and analyzing and going, okay, what what's happened here? One of the conclusions they came to was that there was a lack of nature, there was a lack of vibrancy. There was a lack of culture, a lack of variety, and that actually impacted people negatively over time. And so hearing that as a, I think I was 21 at the time, that was a real eye-opening experience to me and, and just, just being able to discuss that and, and seeing that now I understand why I personally have always been drawn to to travel, to seeing different things, to culture. And I think if we're really, this is my personal opinion, if we're really truly honest to ourselves, every single one of us has not necessarily that need, but that urge to find out about other people and other cultures and how people do what they do and why they do what they do. And if they're different from us, why are they different? Um, and um, so I think it's such an important part of life and it's something that I've only really learned to celebrate for myself and my children as well, my family in the, in the last, um, last sort of five to seven years, I think. Um, and, you know, I think what helped me to be safe within that, to allow myself to actually be able to embrace that was becoming safer within myself trusting myself learning to love myself and I know this sounds really corny in this whole self-love and self-care you know it's one of those things that that a lot of us talk about but it really has a lot to do with our ability not just to enjoy life but also our ability to be able to live in this vibrancy mm. because you know I think um yeah there's the we're learning to be solid to be in love with ourselves we want that vibrancy because it's exciting and it feels safe for that vibrancy to be around us um, and that that variety so I think when we're struggling to allow that to be present in our lives I do think it often comes back to an insecurity and a disconnection from our own self and 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 our soul self who we really are on a, on a spiritual level as well and um, I think for me 
the key piece to that has been to be able to really foster my spiritual practice and fostering my own connection to myself through meditation and mindfulness and actually just hanging out with me <laughs> which is which is something that I got a lot more of when I separated from from the father of my kids um which is quite difficult when you're when you're you know when you're a family and you're always on 24 7 so yeah um, so yeah, definitely that connection to self. I think that really, really helped me to be able to embrace that, that variety of life. And it's actually, it's fun. I want to pick up on that. I want to pick up on that. Um, so, so my partner is a New Zealander, um, mm. and, and we, we have disagreements about most topics in life because <laughs> I'm not a New Zealander and I just think different from most people. Right. Um, and one of the things that we disagree on is um, learning in the current schooling system, um, whereas my mm. personal opinion is that it is not conducive to true learning because there is a squelching of curiosity within the schooling system. You are just taught to learn what somebody else has decided is the truth. Um, and you are not encouraged to question that. You're not encouraged to um, experiment with it. You're not encouraged to really, quite frankly, disagree with it on any level. And so when, when we talk about we have this natural curiosity about other people and wanting to, you know, we're curious about, well, why do you think the way you think? And why is your culture the way that it is? And how does it actually have you experience life in the world and all of that? But then there's this other interesting layer that comes in for me on that. And that is we are no longer encouraged to be curious about other people's experiences. And my very first experience of that was moving to New Zealand. And I was asking people questions the way that I do. And I consistently was told, you can't ask that, Al. It's not politically correct. Well, I was told it's not PC. And then... After about three months, I eventually said to somebody, what the hell does PC mean? I, I don't understand. And they go, oh, it's not politically correct. And I'm like, what do you mean politically correct? I'm from South Africa. There's nothing politically correct about us. <laughs> but I find that there has there's this fear around having really curious conversations, not for the purpose of... Um, not for the purpose of conviction, but for the purpose of true curiosity in wanting to get to know somebody else. But there's so many things that are taboo to ask now. How do you think the whole PC culture evolved in New Zealand? And how do you experience it? How, do, how does it influence your experience of life? Um, it's it's a real interesting one because um, you know I've always been a question asker, and even when I was at school, and um, I've always asked politically incorrect question, and I've always asked the question that everybody had, but nobody was keen enough to put their hand up to to say it out loud, and so um, I've noticed the same thing here in New Zealand that. You know, there is, um, I even actually had a client the other day who was saying the same thing. She was sort of saying that there's some people that she doesn't speak about politics to and some people she doesn't speak about religion to just because, you know, they don't agree and it's really a difficult conversation to navigate. And I find this so interesting um, because you are right. It is a bit of a culture here. And to be honest, I'm not sure 
uh, why that is that way. I wonder, I've been pondering whether it does have to do with the history of colonialism and, um, you know, sort of what happened between Pākehā, so, um, you know, white people or the, the colonizers and Māori, our, our native people here, and that, you know, there was a time, and I only realized this when I was learning te reo Māori a few years ago, that there was actually a time where Māori were not allowed to speak their own language. It was forbidden. And so the only way how they could keep their language alive was by speaking it in the back rooms of their houses. But you could literally get prosecuted. So it was literally beaten out of some of the, you know, some of those generations to speak their own language. I mean, when we, when you really, like, when, when I really tune into that and what that means mm -hmm. for them as people, what that means to their mana, to their power, to their, to, to their spirit, that's, oh, that's, that's so incredible. So I do wonder whether whether it has something to do with that, and that's kind of morphed, uh, you know, in modern society into these different sort of ways of of not speaking about certain things. And you know, in terms of the school system, it's an interesting one that you bring this up because this is an interesting debate in my family because uh, my sister homeschools because she hates the school system. She's like, this is absolute rubbish. Um, although her eldest one has now gone to school because she wants to be a vet. Um, but my girls go to school and we're really lucky. They are learning te reo Māori and so they're in the Māori unit there. And what we're really lucky with is that we have a local school here that encourages our children to question. They have what they call inquiries. So essentially they have a whole subject each term and it changes you know where one term it might be about the environment another term it might be about guardianship of the land it might be about recycling or whatever and they 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 encourage the kids to ask questions like why is this why is this occurring what is is this actually good what is happening and so I really love that so I think in terms of the schooling system there still is some pockets and schools that do foster that. But I do think that unfortunately we we live in a society, and I, I suppose I know this from, from how I was raised and from what I know from my professional personal experiences just with people, is that so many of us grew up in an, an environment where uh, if we disagreed with our parents, that wasn't okay to do that. It wasn't okay to say, no, I disagree. And, you know, it wasn't okay to want to do things differently. There was a right way of doing things and this is the way. And then there was a million different ways of doing it wrong. And so that was a huge and sort of disempowering part of, of my journey and bless my parents and know they just did as good as they could with what they had because they grew up the same way. Um, but I, I realized that I, I do think that that is really informing this PC culture that there's only sort of certain things that you should say or that you know that that certain opinions are, are rude to say or certain questions shouldn't be asked so um i've actually made a point of that in my household with my children to say you can you can talk about whatever you want to talk about you can have whatever opinion you want to have and that is that is okay is it okay to to hurt people uh, other other people with your words because you're feeling some big emotions no but it's okay to have these big emotions and it's okay to have and 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 say whatever you need to say. And I think, um, you know, it's such an important thing for me to foster within my family. But 
I also do this with with my friends and the people in in my network. And there's a huge range of people, and there's a lot of people whose whose opinions I don't agree with. But that's okay. That doesn't make me love them any less as people. It just means that they view things differently, and that's okay. I want to play yeah. devil's advocate here. Totally. <laughs> Why Please not? Do. Let's go there. Step into a world where empowerment meets artistry. Welcome to the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Magazine, a celebration of your strength, wisdom, and unapologetic journey through life. Immerse yourself in thought-provoking articles, powerful insights, and personal stories crafted for the conscious, soulful woman. Each page is a brushstroke of inspiration, a masterpiece of unapologetic living. Join the movement of empowered women where your essence is honored, your voice is cherished, and your power is celebrated. Discover a magazine that celebrates you. Visit our website at unapologetic-women.com to explore more. It's time to unleash your potential with the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Magazine. this whole thing about um don't say things that's going to hurt somebody else's feelings and Mm. it's really interesting because the podcast episode before this one um I was sharing that I came to the understanding at some stage in my life that no matter what I say I'm going to piss somebody off somewhere about something Mm. like there's literally nothing that I can say anymore that is going to be appeasing to everybody in the world because we are so diverse And I got to the place where I stopped apologizing. I stopped apologizing for what I say or how I say it. Because here's the thing. I stopped expecting people to say the stuff that I wanted to hear. If I got triggered, if I got hurt, if I got whatever, I started taking personal responsibility for my emotions and my triggers. And I sorted it out to the point where, now I sort it out really quickly. Do I still get triggered? Absolutely. Do I still feel hurt? Absolutely. But then I do the inquiry as to why, why am I feeling these emotions? Do you not think that we've created a bit of a um, cotton wool culture in the world that we mustn't say anything that's going to hurt anybody's feelings? Does, is that not a is that not a disregard of personal responsibility for our own emotions? And is that maybe not why people are so freaking precious about their like can we not just toughen up a little bit and actually give people the opportunity to start taking personal responsibility for their emotions? Because only you can feel your emotions, right? Somebody can insult you. But it's it's my choice whether I feel insulted or not, regardless of your words. <laughs> Let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit because I feel like I was also raised like, you know, you must share your things and you must be nice to everybody and don't say anything that's going to hurt anybody. But quite frankly, it always hurts somebody somewhere along the line. Is it not, is it not create, are we not creating weakness is that not possibly, oh, let's just like go there. Is this yes. not why the world is in the, the mental state that it's in and everybody is having a crisis? Because quite frankly, 
nobody is being brought up to take ownership of their relationship of their emotions anymore and resilience is is dwindling well i think there's multiple reasons for the um for the 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 lack of resilience and sort of the you know i, I really think we as a world are in a mental health <laughs> mental and spiritual health crisis um but no, I totally agree with you. And for me, it's not, and I suppose maybe I should elaborate on that because for me, it's not about teaching my children that they can't say something that hurts somebody else. For me, it's important that my children think about what was their intention with saying what they were saying? What space was it coming from? Was it coming from a space of I'm pissed off with you, so I'm going to say something to you that I know is going to push your buttons and hurt you? Or does it come from a space of actually I feel differently and this is how I feel? So, and, and, you know, it's a difficult one because my girls, are, um, my, my youngest is eight this month and, and my eldest is 11. So how do you have such a conversation with kids? And to be honest, that's been a big part of my journey over these last six months, because as someone who works with adults and talks about that kind of stuff, I really had to learn, how do I talk to my children about this stuff? Mm. What's the kind of language I need to use? And, and, and this has really been eye-opening for me thinking back at my own childhood. So it's I don't think it's so much about the words that we use. And I agree with you. Um, I think if we're in full expression and full unapologeticness, then we're bound to piss off people with what we say because they they don't like it or there's certain words that will trigger them. And I'm in no, in no um, and this is an interesting conversation that my partner and I have a lot. I'm in no position where I say that we should be eggshelling and cotton wooling people right yes of course we want to be conscious of 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 what we say and how we say it but i'm just going to say it because that's un unapologetically me i think for me again it's about the space that it comes from and when we think about the space that we come from are we coming from the point of love or are we coming from the, the love for ourselves or love for other people because sometimes you know like my mum has said to me some things in my life where I thought, oh, that was harsh, but okay, that was there's some truth in it. I totally hear you. Was it hard, easy to hear? No, but I'm grateful for every time she's actually told me those truths. And um, I was kind of known for that in my friends group, especially in my early 20s, because I'd often say things that would just make them go, let me just say that it was so harsh. And I just say, look, I, to me, that's the truth. That's how I'm seeing it. And I feel like it is my duty it is my duty as your friend and as your fellow human to to tell you how I see it um, because it's going to give you another perspective. You don't have to agree with a perspective, but seeing other perspectives is going to help you strengthen or shift your perspective however you choose to do that. And I totally believe that it's really important to take responsibility for, for ourselves. And I think Part of that taking responsibilities for our own feelings and how we're feeling about what other people are saying is also taking responsibility for the space that we're in and the space that we're coming from when we're having these conversations. I do think that's a that's a real key piece of it. Um, and that's been huge for my, especially for my eldest daughter, who would often say mean things to her little sister or read just nasty things that she knew were going to hurt her because she was pissed off about something. So rather than talking about what she was pissed off about and what what she was needing and what need wasn't being filled, she, she was leashing out. And um, yeah, so we brought it back to her and it's like, okay, cool, what's, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Um, yeah, so I think that's, it's, it's, I agree with you. It is one of the reasons why our world is in the state that it is in. Yeah. 
we need to take self-responsibility absolutely there's a lot of mothers listening to this right um and i know for me it was uh, it was really interesting experience to be a mother <laughs> on many levels i mean other than you know the whole mother child dynamic then there was the mother child um technology dynamic which my parents didn't have to deal with and all of a sudden my kids were exposed to different conversations on different social media platforms and I witnessed a desensitization of the children because they could communicate with emojis um, instead of having real conversations. So I'm I'm intrigued. What is some of the language that you use with your children um, today in having these conversations of, of honey, you have to take responsibility of what you are saying. And, and the impact that it could possibly have on other people so that you ensure that you're coming from the right space in order for you to have, you know, the conversations. Yes. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And as I said, it's still a field of learning for me, definitely. But I think what I've learned is really to try and simplify and, you know, um, to to say, hey, like, how, how are you feeling? And like, I'm feeling that summer is doing this and she's done that and that's really annoying and I was like okay cool well can we talk about why this is annoying you um and you know is that your feeling or is that summer's feeling that you go well that's my feeling okay cool well tell let's talk about it a bit more and sometimes she's open to talking about it sometimes she isn't so what I found is and what I found is that when she was her nervous system was activated and she was in that that fight space because she's a she's a total fighter that girl just why me and her clash so much because I go that's my natural protective um mechanism as well to fight I'm not I'm I'm very rarely a runner I do run sometimes but definitely a fighter more than anything and um so what I found is that sometimes actually just to give us some space to calm down and talk about it a few hours later maybe a day later I just go hey you know when that happened with your sister like you know how are you feeling about it now and just I suppose um having or understanding that it's not so much about finding the answer and getting to the core of it. It's just about practicing having these conversations and not having an expectation as to how this conversation should look and what she needs to realize and what she needs to. It's it's and and to be honest, again, as you know, coming from a German heritage, um, you know, being a fighter, I was a massive controller as well. That was a huge part. Of, of of my parenting to actually do the exact opposite of what I wanted to do which was to control the situation and she had to step back yeah. and just allowing it to unfold and yeah again to not have the expectation of what I thought she needed to hear or needed to learn or needed to say or needed to see um and just allowing that to to unfold as it needs to and trusting in the process because I think teaching our kids those things isn't about right we're going to have one lesson and they're going to know all about it right it's it's about giving all these different anchor points where they can form the lesson over time and I know for me um you know I may have learned thing or learned something at one point in time but the real learning happens in the application and in the in the um I suppose in the journey thereafter of how it actually gets applied in everyday life how it's coming up 
in different ways, how other people think about it, learning new bits of information. Like when I first met you out, you know, like just some of the some of the conversations we've had that was so cool for me as well, because it's again cool different points of view. This is really exciting. That's going to make me think about my point of view. And 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 I did ponder quite a bit afterwards. So yeah, um, yeah I, I think as a parent, it's an interesting one because we often want to talk to them in an adult way and they just you know, where we have a resolved conversation, but it's it's just not, to me, it doesn't work. That's my personal, personal experience, yeah. The greatest gift for me of motherhood was to grow down and mm -hmm. to learn, honestly, most of the shit we sweat about in life is so unimportant in the greatest scheme of things. And that nothing is more important than our happiness and our presence because you know we were talking about um earlier the the experience of diversity and being in nature i think that we are so conditioned to chase financial riches that we miss out on the richness of life um and i can i can say with all honesty my greatest aha moments of oh my God, that is profound, has never been in a book. It has always been out in nature where I just sit and I just contemplate and I just observe. And then nature shows me truth. And I go, yeah. oh shit, it's so simple. It's so, the simplicity is the profoundness of it, right? But we... Children is an invitation to enjoy the richness of life instead of chasing the riches in life. And so thank God for children. I have to say mine wasn't planned. It was a, a gift from the universe. Um, two boys. Thank God I didn't have girls. I don't know if I would have coped with them. <laughs> I think boys barely survived me. <laughs> But I also, when I would sit and watch them, when they were little, little, I would watch them and I'd go, man, you have an old soul. You are so wise. I feel like we as parents should maybe become the students rather than trying to teach our children because they come in wise they come in loving, they come in vibrant, they come in wanting to fulfill their desires, which is in fact the right way. And then we condition them out of it um, to behave according to society. And I just feel maybe sometimes we could gift ourselves um, taking a step back and, and observing as the pupil instead of wanting to be the teacher. I really resonate with that. I so resonate with that because I, I found the same. And, you know, one of the profound things my daughter, my eldest one, has said to me this year, I love it, the little, just the little bits that just come out, no thinking, no, just, and we were having an argument and I said, oh, I'm, I'm just trying so hard. And she's like, mom, that's your problem. Stop trying so hard. And it stopped me in my tracks and I thought, Okay, I actually I hear I hear you, I hear you, and you know it's 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 I, I feel so grateful to be able to be receptive to that because mm -hmm. 
you know, there was there was a time of my of parenthood, especially when my kids were younger, where I wasn't receptive to those things. Right. And so I really hope that that there is lots of, you know, young parents or parents that are or people that are about to have children that hear this, that they get to learn this early on. Um, because, you know, I think for me, the greatest gift as a parent has been to understand that life and what I'm doing in my presence here in this world is so much bigger than just me and that my legacy is, is my children and the world that I'm leaving for them or that we are as a collective leaving for them and and um, how I show up in this world and it's it's not about showing up perfectly or meeting a specific standard or you know having all the money uh, and 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 the, the riches is what you call them I like that and I know it's great to have those but to me that's that's I'm not making it I'm making no it, no but to me it's, it's in the in the negation of the richness of life is mm -hmm. what I'm questioning for people definitely yeah but it's not to me yeah to me it's it's it is about those moments and it is about those little moments and the connection and I always think of you know if I look back if I'm on my deathbed and I look back at my life will I be proud of how I conducted myself? And that doesn't necessarily mean being proud of everything that I've done, not ever making mistakes. It's about have I tried my best every day mm. to be there in the moment, to enjoy life. Because I really believe that if our intention is joy, everything else will work out. Joy, connectedness, peace. To my mind. I have this tricky yes. question. What if there's no deathbed? What if there's no deathbed? You know, people so often live for the deathbed moment. And I'm thinking, but but A, well, you don't know. Like there could be yeah. no deathbed. Like you could, I could literally sit here and airplane falls down on me right now in this interview, gone, like snuffed out. Um, which makes life very real for me. It, it makes yes. mortality makes life very real for me because I don't expect to have a deathbed moment that I can look at. So, so my thing is, and this is why I don't, I don't mm. believe in leaving a legacy. I believe in living a legacy because our true legacy mm. is the frequency that we are on right now, right now. What is this frequency that I'm choosing to live on? this is my living legacy right yeah. and then understand like that. that this is the tone that I set for everybody within my environment and I've taken a lot of responsibility to to not adjust anymore to the the frequency of other people in my environment I set the tone and I really want mothers to hear this because I think we take so much um, upon ourselves that we have to teach our children right and wrong. We forget to just live because our children, they don't do as we teach. They, they do. do. They don't even do as we do. They do from the frequency that they're on. And as parents, we set the frequency. So if you are on the frequency of fear, then your children act from fear. But when you choose to start taking responsibility to set the frequency of divine love, then your children live from the frequency of divine love. And that's, that's huge for people to receive right now. Because mm -hmm. I have seen 
the the profound change in households when I work with a woman and she comes and she says to me oh this about my child and that about my child and I say let's take the focus off the child let's bring the focus on to you and I change her frequency she inevitably comes back and go you will not believe the change in my children and I go well yes I will because you set the tone and so for me my living legacy is the tone that I set in the moments that's beautiful I really like that I really like that I hadn't quite used the same the same words but it's the same experience I've had um so work with a parenting coach over these last few months really looking at really to help me help my children navigate situation that we're in living across two households and and all the coaching sessions came back to me and how I felt about what was happening. And I've now down the track seen a huge change in the way I connect, especially with my eldest daughter, because there was almost a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we had been able to reconnect, but it's it's due to my change. And they never saw the parenting coach. It was a parenting coach saw me. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. and, and you don't have to even have the conversations with them because a lot of the times, you know, we were talking earlier about using the language for the children. Even when we try and simplify the language, the kids don't have the constructs that we have. And so a lot of the times they actually don't understand what we are saying to them, but they feel. It's why when mommy says, oh, no, honey, everything is okay, but her world is falling apart, that child feels this is not true. And I have found by having really honest conversations with my children, I created more safety for them, even though most people said, you really can't tell that to your kids. I was like, I would rather be real with my kids so they understand what they're feeling than to tell them something to make them feel safe. But I could see their little bodies are going, oh, no, no, no. What you say and what I feel there's this it's it's not matching up and so now I'm even more confused and even more afraid so I think it comes back to loving yourself because love is a frequency and you can't you can't (laughs) you can't bullshit that right without love for self you're not on the frequency of love and so you cannot unconditionally love anybody else which is why we conditionally love our children (laughs) you just behave this way then mommy will be really proud of you and I can show you how much I love you but until then I will just beat this into submission right it's whether my words or my hands whatever the cultural dictates of of punishment but when we choose love life changes and it is what it can be Mm. it is what it can be so I'm looking at the time and once again Anyways, having to wrap it up. <laughs> we could talk about this for a really long day. Well, so we many gold and, nuggets. And I feel that yeah. this is really important. You know, parenthood is not a conversation that we often have on the show um, because I speak to female founders. But the thing is, business is part of the life experience. But the more we start understanding that it's about us, the female and the wholeness of our experience and and celebrating and bringing all of it to the forefront, um, the faster women will start finding the empires blossom because they blossom, right? And I think that having frank conversations about the 
interesting pickles we find ourselves in as mothers, which quite frankly, nobody talks about um, yeah. and, and nobody wants to own up to, especially as high achieving women that I sometimes suck at motherhood. Um, you know, the more we can start having these conversations, I think the more women will relax and kind of going, I'm doing the best I can. It's all good. My children chose me for a reason. They came here for specific yeah. lessons. I'm not screwing this up. Now I can relax and enjoy them more. Um, the more rich their life experiences again become. So thank you for being so open and willing to go there. Um, really appreciate that. So what do you take an unapologetic stance for in life at this time, Sophie? I feel like my whole life is pretty unapologetic. I feel like the way it, the way I do life is very different from my surroundings. So I have to take an unapologetic stance to that every day that I don't put my work first, even though I love my work. I don't put it first. I put people first. I put my children first. I put my enjoyment first. I put my well-being first. And that for me, it's the experience of life. And I think there's there's almost like a pact I made with myself a few years ago when when their dad and I separated was that I was going to unapologetically create an extraordinary life, an extraordinary life for me and for my children because I can. And I don't need to explain why or when or how it will all unfold. And and surely, uh, you know, there'll be days where where I don't feel like that, that way, where I ask myself, what the hell are you doing, Sophie? But that's what I, that's what I stand for. And that's, you know, for me, it's the, it's, it's the full embodiment of it. It's the vibrancy. It's just, it's a feeling that I stand for. And I feel this feeling and, and, and to be able to live every day like that, or even if I don't wake up that morning that way, finding pockets of that feeling in every single day, because we all know what it feels like. We all know what that vitality feels like when it's bursting out of us. And we feel like, I just feel like I could, I could rip out anything right now because I'm so full of energy and so much joy. And it's just, there's no place I'd rather be. And so that's that's what I what I stand for. Mm, um, and that's what I would love for every other human on this planet to feel every day. At least pockets of it. It took me a long time to realize that life is supposed to feel good. Yeah. And the the faster we can unhook from the grid of fear the faster we can unhook from the grid of tribal expectation and conformity and really start asking ourselves what will make me happy regardless of what it looks like to other people regardless of but I need to explain myself it's just me like what's my personal preferences how do I want to live and stop worrying about other people approving or disapproving that's the key to happiness, right? But the choice to be happy comes first. Yeah. The choice to be happy comes first. Um, and so this has been an amazing conversation. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, your contact details will be in the description for any of our listeners who want to connect with you. And to our sisters, our listeners, oh my God, what are you taking away from this conversation? Are you a mother? 
And what is it that you are learning about yourself through the experience mm -hmm. of motherhood? Like, let's share that in the comments and let's actually learn from each other's experiences because ultimately that is the most fun way for me to learn. It's not to have to literally go and read a book, but to just have real women share real authentic stories about their lives. So until next time, remember, we get to live our legacies unleashed, unlimited, and unapologetic. Have an amazing day further. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on another empowering episode of the Unapologetic Woman podcast. We hope you found this conversation as inspiring as we did. Remember, embracing your strength and authenticity is a journey worth taking and we're thrilled to be part of it with you. If you've enjoyed our discussions and found value in the stories we share, we have a favor to ask. Your support means the world to us and there are a couple of simple ways you can make a big difference. First, take a moment to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words have the power to reach other incredible women like you who are seeking upliftment and insight. By leaving a review, you're helping us create a ripple effect of empowerment that extends far beyond these virtual airwaves. Second, think of the remarkable women in your life who would resonate with our message. Share this podcast with them, whether it's a friend, a family member, a colleague, or even a fellow pioneer you've connected with. Together, we can create a community of unapologetic women who uplift, support, and inspire each other. Stay connected with us on social media at The Unapologetic Women for updates, behind-the-scenes moments, and engaging conversations. We love hearing from you and building this vibrant community together. As we wrap up this episode, remember that your journey matters, your voice is vital, and your impact is immeasurable. Let's continue rewriting the narrative and embracing our unapologetic selves one episode at a time. Thank you for being part of the Unapologetic Women movement. Until next time, stay true to yourself, stay unapologetic and keep dancing to your own tune.